please, no, 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 no! Welcome back to another episode of Generation Red, a Husker podcast, the Kettle Corn of Husker Fan Podcast, where we try to be sweet, but tonight we might get a little salty. <laughs> I'm your host, Ken. Yep, I'm the other one, Scott. <laughs> yes, indeed, after the, what, debacle in Dublin, I, I don't know what the heck to call it. All I know is it uh, was kind of same dance, different season, Um it's really not much else you can say about it except that it just did not. It looked good in the first half, right? Everything looked good. And then, I mean, God, the food was good, Scott. We had seven-layer dip. We had the wings that your mom made that were outstanding. And uh, everything was great except, what, halfway through the third quarter on? Pretty and much. It just kind of took a dump all down our backs. So, uh Yeah. Yeah, this is a joyous podcast to do. It seems like maybe we shouldn't have started this. Maybe the reason Nebraska keeps losing the first game of the year is because we started a podcast. What do you think? Well, I mean, the corn cat, the corn cob, what is it? Husker cob, cub cat. Goodness big red cobcast or big I, red go, go big corn cast. I don't remember what the hell they're called, but yeah. They, yeah, they said the guys. same thing. They started, you know, right was it right at the end of Riley or something like that. And so they've just. Yeah, something like that. Getting this black magic out of our system, I guess. Um, no, it was it was atrocious. It was, yeah, there was a tale of two halves. As as I mean, if if anybody are avid listeners of our podcast, we had that sentiment quite a quite a few yep. times last year. Tale of two halves, and and I mean, honestly, the the first half, even though it looked good, you could see the foundation being laid out for what the second half was going to look like. All it was just going to take was some time and some uh, yep. really just getting our, our asses beat into the ground enough times to where Northwestern was just going to take over, and that's exactly what they did. There were some good yep. things and there were some bad things, and we're going to dive into all of that. Um, but, yeah, uh, what if there was one word you could describe this game as being if you had to summarize it in one word what would you what would you pick for a word i suppose one word boy that's a good question what would i use for one word uh overhyped that's a good that's a good that's a good one that was one of the that wasn't the any of the words that were going through my hot, through my mind and so I'm glad you said that cuz that fits perfectly. How about you? You've got a word in mind? Apparently you uh, came um, up with the question I would figure you did. <laughs> no, I kind of just I kind of just like pooped the question out of my brain just right then and there just cuz I thought it would be fun to start it off. Hmm. Um I think the I think the word that that keeps circling around in my mind is uh repeat. Just yeah. Just repeat. Same same shit, different day, um, and yeah. it's is what it is, right? It is what it is. So we've got overhyped and repeat, and I think that's a good, uh, good description. We could, could we could combine the two? This season was repeatedly overhyped. <laughs> yes, 
precisely. <laughs> you know what, though? It's interesting. Um, I don't know if you caught it, but uh, Big Eyes on Big put out a podcast. I don't know if it came out last night, but it hit my player today, and it was short. It was just them reviewing the games from week zero. They started with Illinois, and then they ended with, of course, our game. And I think they're probably a lot more positive about the Huskers <laughs> than we are, to be honest. Because they were like, hey, Casey Thompson's a revelation. That dude's got a dart for an arm. Um, and he was deadly accurate in the first half. There's just so much. But yet, once it seemed like the pressure was on, and it seemed like Northwestern's defensive line was getting a little closer to him, it was starting to look like a familiar story, but uh, good news came out of the Eyes on Big con uh, podcast was the fact that, uh, well, one part's not exactly good news in that Big Kurt is not leaving the show, but he's just not going to do the midweek podcast uh, during the season. His life has just gotten crazy, but our buddy Dustin Schutte will be joining Jeffrey the Greek then to do the midweek oh. podcast every week. So that'll be outstanding. Congratulations, nice. Dustin. Um, really looking forward to listening to the show with you on. Not that I didn't enjoy it with Big Kurt, because I truly did. Um, but anyway, so that's some positive oh. news. <laughs> yeah, and and just off off of that, just you know, shameless plug or not shameless plug. Well, I guess I'm shamelessly plugging them as my dad is talking about the Eyes on Big podcast. If you are a Husker fan or uh, honestly a Big Ten fan, I'm I'm assuming anybody listening to this podcast are obviously Husker fans, but. If you really want to yep. get kind of a, a an objective and well thought out and detailed uh, review of the Big Ten all the way mm -hmm. around, um, please subscribe to the um, to the Eyes on Big podcast. It is really good. Their hosts are amazing. Um, they funny, you know. Oh yeah, they're funny. They're, they're hilarious. Goofy. Um, they make each other laugh every episode. They throw something at each other that they're not expecting, and it's always always awesome. And they're very um, complimentary of each other. Yep. If, if somebody's got yep. a piece of information um, that the other doesn't have, you know, they the other one will return the favor. Um, and so they're very thorough, and, and it's very enlightening Absolutely. to learn more yep. about the Big Ten through their podcast. So shout out to them. Absolutely. Love love Jeffrey. Love Kurt. Uh, their, their content is outstanding. We're hoping somewhere down the road that Jeffrey will be kind enough to come on the show with us. He said he's willing to do so. It's just about finding that right time to do so. Um, so anyway, let's get, get into kind of the meat of the review. We'll start off. We've just got five bullet points, uh, numbered points we want to talk about tonight, um, specifically uh, to, re related to the Northwestern game. Sorry, folks, I'm a little flustered today. <laughs> uh, <laughs> brand new camera has been kind of giving me a little bit of a fit, but uh, it sure looks a lot better. Anyway, uh, black shirts, we'll start with them. They gave up 527 yards of offense. Do you recall a game last year where the where the Blackshirts gave up that much offense to anybody? I don't think they gave that much up to Ohio State, for crying out loud. I That thought just hit my mind, and I didn't bother to research it, so that's my bad. Um, but good Lord, 526 yards. That's just craziness. Um, what was your first thought, or... or general thoughts on how the black shirts performed yesterday um i honestly think they need to get their black shirts revoked um <laughs> there wasn't a single there wasn't a single aspect of our defense that what that i could look at and say well at least that looked good the corners were off the linebackers were off the edge rushers were off the defensive line was off yep. and as i said on twitter i think i said this on twitter um 
my prediction of our of our defense taking a step forward in game one, granted it is just game one, was completely off. And there was nothing yeah. about that defense that I could say was remotely good. Um, right. There were a few individual things that were done. But I mean, even even the parts of the defense that the moments that the defense had that were good, they were not good. They were sandwiched into something that wasn't good, like the the Cam Porter uh, helmet to football fumble. Like, cool, we got a fumble out of that deal, but he was also on a twenty yard rush at that point. You know, like he was he right. was doing something good, and it was just the helmet just so happened to hit the right spot, and and you could look all across the defense throughout the entire game and it was pretty much the same thing it, if there was something good it wasn't necessarily uniquely well-rounded good it was just one individual made a play when nobody else was and yeah. that's just kind of my overall take of the defense was that it just was bad it was just all around bad in answer to that question i just asked about how many yards ohio state put up on our defense last year it was 495 so we gave up more yardage to the team picked last to finish last in the Big Ten West than we gave up to Ohio State. I get it. This is a younger defense than it was last year. We lost six super seniors. Three of them are in the NFL, I think, maybe four. So that's a lot of experience we lost. But still, holy smokes, to give up 427 yards to a Ryan kalinsky led offense is just crazy. 313 through the air, 214 via the run. You're not going to win a lot of football games if you're giving up 200 yards on the ground. No. You're just not. Um, the interior of the defensive line, it seemed like Feast and um, Robinson were just getting... There was one run. I think it was in the fourth quarter. I was re-watching the, the game in the 60-minute version of the game on BTN right before I got on here. And there was a run. I don't remember if it was Porter. I think it was Hull. They were backed up inside their 10 or 15-yard line. It was like third and seven or something. And this hole just opens up wide open. And I watched it. And then on the replay, I'm like, Colton Feast was double-teaming one offensive lineman, and the guy ran right around the backside, his backside. What the hell is a defensive lineman doing double-teaming an offensive lineman in the hole? It made no sense to me. So that was why that hole was so stinking big was – Feast was acting like an offensive lineman, helping him open his own hole. <laughs> so at least that's how I saw it. I don't know the X's and O's, and to be truthful with all of you folks watching, we're not X's and O's gurus. We're football fans that look at Husker games from kind of a big picture uh, point of view. But that, that play was kind of indicative of everything that day. People couldn't get off blocks. Linebackers like Nick Hendrick were missing tackles when he doesn't do that very often. So I don't know yeah. if it was jet lagged, wasn't quite ready to play. I just don't know. And all three of the edge guys, right? Uh, Tanner and Nelson and Nelson pregame, we saw him losing his mind and psyching his buddies up. And I don't know, maybe they expended way too much energy being hyped before the game, but they were gone. They, they I think Oshan might have forced one bad throw the whole game, but... I didn't see a whole lot of pressure. Um, and linebackers. Like I said earlier, I wrote this note. 
They were missing tackles like they were being coached by 2017 Bob Diaco or 2007 Kevin Cosgrove, two of the worst defenses Nebraska's ever seen. Because in those years, those linebackers couldn't tackle either, which is hard for me to say because Reimer and Henrich have been so stinking solid. So I just don't know what to think. How about you? Yeah, one of the things that I especially noticed on our defense were, were the secondary and linebackers not being able to make open field tackles to save their life. They were arm tackling. They were not getting the right angles on guys. Yep. And when they were getting their arms wrapped around them, it was like they were trying to wrestle a pig in a grease pit. You know, it just was like, <laughs> like it just seemed like they were just outmatched and outstrength on against Mm -hmm. any one-on-one situation and unless they were getting like a perfect target like hitting them directly in the center mass of their body with the momentum going in the perfect direction they were just doinking off of northwestern players all damn day Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. yeah i think the biggest the biggest disappointment are the edge rushers with all of the hype around Nelson. And I was one of those guys. I was really hyped around Nelson and Caleb Tanner and O'Shawn Mathis between those three guys, there was, they were non-existent completely. And it was just so unfortunate to see. I, you know, the secondary and and the defensive line were the things that I had the, the biggest question marks around and for good reason, because I mean, our safeties and our and our cornerbacks were just—they were—they seemed uh, confused. They seemed like they weren't communicating. It looked like that where they were supposed to be on the field, whether it was zone or man, they were just not where they were supposed to be, and they were half a half a step behind anything that Northwestern was attempting to do on offense, and so they could just chew us up on every aspect like between every level of our defense they were able to just chew us up and yeah man like this is the worst linebacker performance i've seen mm-hmm. out of nebraska in a very very long time um i mean some things you could look at and say eh, you know it just needs a little bit of tweaking and a little bit of you know you know it's the first game you know they got to kind of hash some things out and you know, work out the kinks a little bit, but I mean, just mm-hmm. out of that game from the from the eyeball test, it was awful, just god awful. There was, as I was watching the replay on BTN, there uh, I saw the one earlier this afternoon, and there was one guy that stood out on defense that seemed to be there whenever a decent play was made, and that was Tommy Hill. Uh, when it came to him making a tackle, he was pretty solid. I saw at least four individual tackles he made in open field that were excellent so uh there was one positive i saw out of the game um unfortunately there were just way too many holes in the middle of the field especially in the passing game there were times that holinsky was making throws where you couldn't hardly see anybody in the picture on the tv (laughs) when he completed the pass it was like how how is it that wide open i mean the first touchdown he threw was busted coverage it just was i don't know man I don't know. It just was it was hard to watch. It's hard to watch the defense play for sure. Um, and hey, 
hats off to the Northwestern punter. You want to talk about a dude dropping some darts inside the 20-yard line? That guy was money all game long. Absolutely yeah. all game long. I, I mean, good job. Good job on that punter who his dad played for many years as an all, all of my, uh, what is it, Hall of Famer. I think his dad's a Hall of Famer as a punter in the NFL. So it comes from good stock. Anyway, I think we're kind of done with the black shirts. I really don't want to get that much more depressed. So let's move on to some positivity in the game, which was the offense that um, was only 62 yards behind um, Northwestern in 355 passing yards. And unfortunately, 110 yards rushing in the Big Ten is not going to get it done. It's just not. you yeah. got to rush for 150 or more to expect to win these kinds of games. And the rushing numbers with Grant himself were not great until he busted that 46-yarder. Yant wasn't doing anything. Allen looked like he had some potential, but as you said, he missed quite a few holes where he literally ran right up the back of his offensive lineman. Mm -hmm. I chalked that up to youth. Um, makes me wonder where Gabe Irvin was. Maybe he uh, <clears throat> was in that casino with Ramir Johnson. Um, <laughs> just a rumor yep. going around, folks. It's just a joke. It's just a joke. But uh, <laughs> uh, without that TD, Grant would have run for, what, 64, 65 yards for the day. So it wasn't great. That offensive line was not doing the job that we were hearing about they were doing in fall practice, which probably indicates that's why our defensive line was having a hell of a time stopping Northwestern's run. I mean, that stands to reason, don't you think? Yep. I. Yeah, the offensive line was abysmal. Um, but they protected I mean, Casey Thompson quite well. That's what blew my mind. They really did a good job for most of the game keeping him clean. Yeah, but what I noticed was that they were they were doing more of like a a step back contain where they weren't allowing them to necessarily get immediate pressure but what they were doing were was i don't know if it was on purpose but immediately allowing the the pocket to collapse and then trying to sustain distance between that collapsing pocket and Casey Thompson for the first half and yeah that was that was evident in the fact that when we had to run and the offensive line was supposed to get a push or make holes, they couldn't do it. And so even though they were preventing right. immediate pressure on our quarterback, I think a lot of that has to do with just the fact that Northwestern basically from the beginning and all the way up until the end of the game, they didn't need to bring pressure. They just nope. four guys. That's all they needed. Four guys, whole game. Mm -hmm. They didn't need to necessarily blitz or or have an uh, edge rusher right. that would come out of the side because all they wanted to do was just create pressure and almost force Nebraska. Yeah, you know, like you're going to have to pass because when it comes down to it, when you guys want to run the ball, we're not going to allow gonna you happen. to do it. Yep, It's not going to yep. happen. So they force us to pass the ball. I mean, when you're only able to average just under three yards per rush, excluding that 46-yard run that, that uh, Grant mm -hmm. performed on. I mean, yeah, why the hell not? Just keep keep your secondary and your linebackers completely covering the field. Because if one thing that I noticed was that when Northwestern had a guy open, he was open because there was yep. somebody missing their assignment. When Casey Thompson completed a pass to an quote-unquote open guy, there was a they, guy right on his hip. There was a guy right on his hip. He just put the ball exactly where it needed to go. We didn't have 
those wide open guys that Northwestern was able to get. Um, yep. And so when I look at the offensive line on our side of the ball, they were doing zero favors for Thompson other than yes, they they were for the first half sort of kind of preventing pressure on him. But when the context is that they were only pressuring him with four guys the whole time, like that's not good. That's not good at all. Um, And it was almost like, it was almost like Pat Fitzgerald. ah, And when they did bring a blitz, they got him to the ground on the one sack was one, one of the few times they brought a blitz. So, and the few times that we bring pressure with more than the, uh, the front four, uh, there was somebody wide open. So we stopped pressuring. Um, it was almost like Pat. We never were ahead far enough in the game for, because you know, kind of the rule of thumb is you get up by two touchdowns, then you start bringing heavy duty pressure on the quarterback, force him to make, because that's when things start rolling the wrong way. Uh, we never got that far ahead, so we never really took some gambles in the pressure game that maybe we could have if we would have been able to get ahead. Um, I'm sorry, go ahead. I interrupt something you were going to say. I was just going to say, to me, it seemed like, and this is just me reading the tea leaves here, it seemed like Pat Fitzgerald knew before the game even started that he wasn't going to need to do much to dominate our offensive line. It it was almost like he was whipping out his cock and just, like, displaying (laughs) it for Scott Frost. Like, look, I'm only going to throw four guys your way, and I'm going to win this 95% of the time. Well, here comes the explicit tag. (laughs) Yeah, well. Yeah. Wouldn't be this the first is, time. This is <laughs> the uh, the right game for it. So yeah, we've got to we've got to yeah. I hear you. And there was you know of course the two interceptions in the second half. One of them was certainly an overthrow by Thompson, um, and then the other one was. I'm not sure if it was an overthrow or he expected his receiver to do something different. Um, rewatching the game on BTN in 60 minutes, you couldn't hear what the commentary was as to why maybe that was an interception. I don't remember it at the time watching it yesterday. Uh, but it was definitely an overthrow, and the other one was tipped by the receiver being targeted for a pass for the first time in the game. We, Wyatt Lever, best as I could tell, I'd never seen him in the game the whole time. Yeah. and It's in the crunch time in the fourth quarter. He's in there to catch a bullet pass over the middle. Anyway, yet again, yeah, more curiosity doesn't... on how they're rotating players in and out. It just kind of surprised me. Yeah, when I when I rewatched it, um, I didn't watch the full 60 minutes. I just watched the highlights, which, mm-hmm. as I texted with you earlier, I'm only going to get to see the highlights. I don't get to see all of the, the garbage plays, unfortunately, um, right. or maybe fortunately, but um, <laughs> yeah, that first, that first pass to... Uh, to uh uh frick guy from Iowa that transferred I was really high oh, on Martin. Him, number 89 yeah 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 Oliver Martin like the ball was completely catchable I yep. like I watched it in slow motion I was like I'm going to watch this pass in slow motion and see if he fully extends his arm for for the catch and he never does he crab arms it he like yep. does his little like eh. and I think if he would have get it like, and I tried and another thing. I watched it in slow motion to see if maybe the defender had his his arms wrapped around his biceps or something, and that's why he couldn't extend his arms. But no, nope. he was underneath his arms, mm-hmm. and so I just that that first interception just 
dumb. Like that's that's on Martin. And then the second one, yeah. So oh my gosh, like why are we putting Wyatt Lever into the game? <laughs> like I if if he was if he wasn't on the starting roster, if he wasn't the first guy out there when we when we did our first possession starting the game, exactly what you said. Why are we putting him in crunch time? Like what right. sense does that make? Was that a Mark Whipple decision? Because I yeah, because I question it if it's if it's a Mark Whipple decision or a uh, freaking uh, Mickey Joseph decision. I I don't I don't see that as either one of their uh, decisions. I see it as another one of those executive frost decisions. Who knows? I don't, know. I don't think he was ever asked specifically about that choice. Um, I, I'd like to point out that uh, Isaiah Garcia Castaneda. Uh, whom our buddy Justin at the Cuzcast, Husker Cuzcast, was very high on for good reason. He was he was a uh, received for over 100 yards yesterday, uh, eight I think eight or seven or eight catches for over 100 yards. Uh, where the hell was he on that play then? You know, I mean the dude yeah. had had Velcro for hands the whole day, uh, but of course he had that also that one big catch and then ended up. Being the victim of what I consider a so-so call by the refs. Um, I think they got it wrong. Unfortunately, the video evidence wasn't capable of showing fully and completely that they got it wrong. And they're kind of stuck making the call they had to make. But they got it wrong on the field in the first place. Uh, So, which that likely ended a scoring drive. And maybe that's the difference in the game. Yet again. We're talking about a game that one or two plays, something that happens with the ref's call or something that happens on special teams, which we'll get to, um, is basically the difference in the game. Yeah, so. and and I do have to at least look at it through a, an optimistic standpoint, even though, yeah, we did kind of get a bad call on that, mm-hmm. which is expected in any game, um, not just for Nebraska, but for any team. You're, you're bound to get a bad call every game. Right. Um, but one thing that was notably good was the fact that we only had what one penalty the whole game. Um, maybe two. Like, I think we had an offsides, and I think we had a false start. I don't remember for sure. It was a pretty clean game, though. I don't think the two teams combined for more than six or seven penalties. Let's so, see. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, we had one one penalty one? for that five was yards. It? it was offsides. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and so that that was good. Yeah, I I was I was pretty upset about that about that uh not being overturned, but I mean what can you do? I mean, you look at the replay mm-hmm. and it's really hard to interpret it. Um looking at it really closely, it's pretty obvious that his knee was down. Um and the ball I look at it like this. It's obvious that his knee is down. It's not obvious that the ball has come out yet. And so based on that fact alone, you have to assume that his knee is down and he still has possession of the ball. It wasn't the other way around where right. you can clearly see the ball out and you can't clearly see that his knee is down. It wasn't that. And so the right. fact that that they made that decision, I I don't know what footage they get a hold of when they do make those decisions. Obviously not the same that we see on TV. Um, mm-hmm. But... Whatever. Nevertheless, uh, just went went in the wrong way, and that was early on in the game. So I don't think that that had, you know, I, yeah, it could have it could have ended in a in a scoring drive, but 
there were a few scoring drives that we did have that if it wasn't for something dumb that Northwestern did, yeah, we wouldn't yeah. have scored on the on those drives either. So it's you know it kind <clears throat> of balances out. Yep, absolutely. Do we want to move on to uh, Frost's comments on the offense when he was asked about it in his uh, press conference? It seems to be pretty appropriate to throw that in here. Yeah, yeah. I'll just preface it that. I'm sure anybody's seen it on Twitter or Facebook or whatever social media platform you have, but the, uh, the kind of disrespectful, um, disrespectful comments that Scott Frost had made toward his offensive offensive staff. And I'd seen, you know, a binary interpretation of it was that, Oh, he's just an, he was absolutely throwing his staff under the bus. And then I was Mm -hmm. seeing people make comments like it's, him clearly saying we on offense, you know, so he's taking accountability for it or something like that. And, and I guess we'll just let, we'll let you guys decide. What do you think of these, these comments uh, in full context? And I will read them slowly after he makes them in case you miss out on exactly what he says, but here we go. We got to get this turned around. How surprised were you about the, the physical difference there? I don't know if there's a big difference, but you know, we certainly, we certainly didn't dominate, and um, again, I give their staff a lot of credit too. There were some scheme things that they hit us on on offense. Um, I think we're going to have to learn as an offensive staff that uh, we got to be a little creative in this league. Um, so we we have some things that we can work on. Too. We did a lot of good things, but it's got to be more of a uh, a complete game. Yikes. Yeah. So might have been hard to hear, kind of stumbles over his words a little bit, but essentially the question that was asked was, how surprised were you about the physical difference there implying between Nebraska and Northwestern? And he essentially says something along the lines of, eh, there's not really much of a big difference, but, you know, we certainly didn't dominate. And, again, I give their, their staff a lot of credit. There were some yep. scheme things they hit us on, on, on the offense. And then he starts to go off in, in a different direction with that and, and goes, I think we're going to need, I think we're going to have to learn as an offensive staff, you got to be a little creative in this league. Um, and that's kind of the, the quote right there that kind of blew up all over the interwebs and made a lot of people upset. Um, and I'm one of them. Um, I don't care which which way you read into that mm-hmm. is an unnecessary comment. Um, and especially coming from Frost. Um, he is the same guy who said, I think the league is going to need to adjust to us. And yep. what happened? He needed to adjust to the league. Frost, before coming to Nebraska, was hailed as, as an offensive mastermind. And that has not come to fruition even in yep. the slightest bit. And so when he's trying to make a comment to his own offensive staff about that they need to be a little bit more creative, yeah, it blows my mind because what about Northwestern was creative? They weren't doing anything crazy. They weren't doing anything ass. flashy. They weren't doing anything flashy. Exactly. Nothing flashy. Just a straight ass whooping. Just an absolute middle finger to us telling, daring yep. us to stop them. There wasn't anything flashy about it or creative about it. They were just doing simple 
hard-nosed football. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Frost has the audacity to to tell his, you know, offensive staff, we just got to get a little bit more creative. Like, yeah, yeah, creative, which we'll get into it, as creative as an onside kick after we're up 11 points because you think <laughs> yeah. that that's going to put the nail in the <laughs> coffin to the game. If that's your idea of creativity, God, I would hate to go to your art show because it would be miserable yeah. um, experiencing something like that. And, yeah, I, I can see why the interwebs is upset about it for good reason. Um, I, I, don't, I don't see a... an easy way to make that a statement that is good in essence. Like that seems like a conversation you have in your locker rooms or your office with your staff. Like, Hey guys, I think we need to be a little bit more creative and then have them shut you down because that's a dumb idea. Um, But in a press conference, terrible idea. Yeah. You know, um, you mentioned there wasn't a whole lot creative about what Nor- Northwestern did. He said they did scheme some stuff up, which sounds to me like, oh, crap, our defense wasn't really prepped to play. Um, but there really isn't a whole lot of stuff that Iowa, Wisconsin, and even Minnesota do that's all that creative. They line up, they run zone, zone plays right up the gut all the freaking time, and they just figure it's like Novocaine. Eventually, it's going to work. And it always does. Every game that we play those three teams, it seems like in the fourth quarter, we're the team that's puffing and puffing. We don't know what to do to stop them. And that's exactly the playbook that Northwestern decided to use. They ran the ball, what, 19, 20 times in a row at the end of that game from the midway through the third quarter on? They hardly <laughs> attempted a pass because they knew they had us beat at the line of scrimmage. And speaking of line of scrimmage, and speaking of creativity on offense, I don't buy that BS a bit, not a bit. Don't have to be uber creative. You don't have to have great schemes because <laughs> the former O-lineman who played with Frost, I believe it's Matt Hoskinson. I don't know 100% for sure. He's a host of a podcast called Beyond the Turf, I think is what it was called. And he was yep. on Hale Varsity a couple of weeks ago. And he told Schmitty, or maybe it's another podcast, I don't remember for sure. He told Schmitty, or whoever he was talking to, that there was, <clears throat> when Frost was first hired, he walked up, he went to him and said specifically, if you're going to win in this league, you have to have a damn good offensive line. And Frost, he said if Frost told him, I don't need that great of an offensive line because my schemes are superior to anything that's out there. A little humility might need to be required if he's going out there and saying that his offense need, offensive coaches need to be more creative. Seems to tell me that he doesn't think he should have let go of play-calling duties in the first place because he thinks his schemes are superior. That's how I read it. That's how I read it. That's simply my point of view, how my eyes and my ears perceive things. Um, and... Let's be honest, Big Ten is a line of scrimmage league, and we literally got manhandled on the line of scrimmage by a team, as we said earlier, picked to finish dead last in the Big Ten West. So either one of two things is absolutely true at this particular moment of this conversation, Scott. Number one, Northwestern is way better than everybody else out there thinks they are, and they could be. Crying out loud, Pat Fitzgerald is a wizard. He figures out how to pull stuff out of his rear end every even year on the calendar. I'm not sure why that is, but he does it. And um, Or we're just really awful. 
And I'm truly not sure what the answer is to those two, which one I should pick. I think Northwestern's mm. probably better than they are, than everybody thinks they are, but I don't think they're that good. And I really don't think we're that bad, but I just don't know. We'll find out probably on September 17th if that was just an anomaly or not. So Yeah, yeah, I think that's about, a good... I think it's a good, good let's, uh, comparison. Um, let's address the ginormous elephant in the room, the dribbling kick that went down the field, and wasn't telegraphed. Was absolutely telegraphed by our kicker. Even I knew two steps into his approach to the football that he was fixing onside it, and the guy that caught it caught it two out of the corner of his eye and flipped right back around to make sure he got the ball. He knew it immediately. So it was horrible execution. I'll say that number one. Horrible execution on the part of the kicker. But what the hell are you calling an onside kick for when your defense has been leaky? I mean, horribly leaky. Why would you do that? He said, just as we listened to, well, I don't think that clip was in there with your with your audio, but in, in his, he did say that was totally his call. Frost said it. And he said he thought it would be success. If it was successful, he could end the game with 10 minutes to go in the third quarter. How do you end a game with an onside kick with 10 minutes to go in the third quarter? Do you think Pat Fitzgerald's going to run across the field and throw the white flag and say, screw it, I don't want to play anymore? You don't end a game with an onside kick with 10 minutes to go in the third quarter. You just don't. I mean, even if you get it and you score again, the way they were carving our offense up, no, I wouldn't have been comfortable with a 21-point lead at that point in the game. So, uh especially with somebody like Fitzy, who's spent 17 years in this league and has won 49 games by one score. 49. How many has Frost won? Five? Four? Three. Something like that, or three? Yeah, let's just count them down. <laughs> it's just... And he thought, somehow he thought, hey, if I get this, we're going to put this game away and it's going to be over. I mean, what in his four years of experience here gave him that indication? Makes no so sense let's to me. Uh, let's look at it through. This is this is a this is the thing I was thinking of. So to give Frost credit, <laughs> please bear with me here. Um, his idea and Husker Nation's idea and any sports pundit about Nebraska's idea of Nebraska is that they need to find a way to assert their dominance, put their foot on the throat, mm-hmm. and just and just win games. And I think that was Frost's way of attempting to do that. Like, mm-hmm. he was attempting to be like, yep, we're going to put our foot on the throat, and we are going to, you know, put our foot on the gas, insert metaphor here about dominance and all this stuff. Um no fear but I mean, failure, how, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Like, I just see just such an out-of-touch mentality with specifically mm-hmm. that decision. Because, one, you are playing Northwestern that even though we had beat them 56-7 to 7 last year, that was truly an anomaly in our, in our, in our <laughs> yeah. tussle with, uh, with Northwestern. We got extremely lucky that we were able to get up on them as quickly as we did. And that's the only reason why we won the game. We forced them to play a a style of football last year that they are not used to playing once we were up 21 
you know, three scores. Once we were three scores up on them, we forced them to use a different game style. And I think that was partially why Frost attempted to do that, because he really wanted to get up three scores on the guy. Yeah, Um, I get that. I get that. But out of all of the ways that you could try and do that, you do it on special teams. Like, how out of touch are you? Like, we've had the most mm-hmm. abysmal special teams performance that we've that we've ever had in Nebraska history the last few years. And so you mm-hmm. attempt to do it on special teams. And then you've got an offense that seemed to, up to that point, have at least somewhat of a rhythm. Yes, you know, kind of going into the third quarter, Casey Thompson had a few little, you know, hiccups, questionable things, but nothing too egregious. Right. And so instead of putting all your chips in on on the fact that maybe we could go 75 yards down the field and get a touchdown and be up three scores on these guys, that the onside kick? Like, what are you thinking? You are so out of touch, just completely out of touch with, with what you mm-hmm. think is the right method to securing a game. And then, like yeah. you said, you have 10 minutes left in the third quarter. Do you honestly think that Northwestern is such a pushover that they're not going to look at 20 plus points left in the game and think, yeah, we can, we're winning in the trenches. We're winning in the secondary. Our quarterback is actually doing a really, really good job out from his first game. Yep. Like you are so out of touch with not only the history of, of your head coaching career, but the current circumstances that you are given at the moment, like it just Mm -hmm. screams, ignorance just pure ignorance and that's why at this exact moment i don't want scott frost as our head coach but that's another episode for a different day and i want to still wait to see how these Mm -hmm. next three games play out what are we going to do against north dakota getting Mm -hmm. off of an airplane and having only a few days to train up for that how are we going to do against georgia southern Mm -hmm. at night under the lights and especially how are we going to do against ou I'm going to wait for those three games to play out and I will make my official judgment then. But as of right now, as rational as I can possibly be based on how irrational this game was to observe. Yeah. I don't like you, Frost. I don't like you. I got it. I'm with you. I'm with you. So out of touch. Yeah. Absolutely. So that makes me wonder if he's actually literally trying to get himself fired by doing that. If it works, great. It's going to be awesome. We'll go down. We'll score. My career will go on. But this is the seminal moment in my career, and I'm calling an onside kick. And if it works, it means the gods of football have decided I get to stay at Nebraska. I don't know. This is just us being goofy and weird and not being your typical media podcast. So, um we're doing our best to channel our inner Big Red Cobcast, I suppose, is what we're doing. Um, <laughs> with less F-bombs, of with course. With less F-bombs. Way less and No gummies Shout anywhere out. in the vicinity. Shout out, Tweety. Love you, bro. <laughs> yeah. Accept my follow request on Twitter, please. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so let's move on to our fourth point, which is, um, do we think that Casey Thompson is the 2.0 version of Adrian Martinez? Now, let me just say that in the heat of the fourth quarter, I obviously verbalized that in the house as we were watching the game. Um, 
at that time I thought he was. And upon rewatching the game, he was actually pretty good. Even yep. most of the way through the second half, he was really good, really accurate. Uh, when his guys were had any kind of a step on the guy that was covering him, he was putting the ball where it needed to be. So my apologies to Casey. I don't think he's Adrian Martinez 2.0. I thought he had an outstanding game for his his debut for the Huskers, and it should have been over 400 yards. Yep. You know, you don't just slightly overthrow Trey Palmer, whoever that was, that was probably going to score there in the third quarter. Uh, it's a different different outcome. Um, but he did miss a few open receivers in the second half who uh, at least one of them could have scored, maybe two. Uh, the wideouts did let him down at the end. Uh, as we said earlier, why was Wyatt Leeward in the game at clutch time? He hadn't been targeted at all, and his tip is why that last INT happens. So, your overall thoughts—that's all I really have on Casey Thompson. I thought he's—I think he's going to be great. I really do. I think he's going to be a good leader, uh, a good quarterback. Um, that, good God, that play he made where he improvised and he ran. It looked like he was going to run, and then he flips around and he just slings that ball down to IGC and. <laughs> just just unbelievable. I mean, unbelievable field awareness, uh, much better than I thought uh, he would be in a situation like that. Uh, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does for the rest of the year. Your overall thoughts on, on number 11? Um, I'm going to wait and see. Uh, there were some good things that I could pick out of the uh, performance that he did that I can mm -hmm. look at and see a bright future for the kid. And there were a few things that made me question a little bit. And yeah, upon rewatching, I, I think the if if you would call them mistakes, you know, few the two interceptions he had, I mean, they were basically on target. Um, what I remember from Martinez was that when he made interceptions, it's because he threw it directly to the defensive, the defensive guys, the the defenders, the yep. whatever. Um, and I didn't really see that. If he did throw uh, an over uh, overpass, underpass, whatever you want to call them, um, they were safe. He wasn't throwing them directly into the hands of a safety. He wasn't throwing them, you know, wildly left or right to where you know it's going to the cornerback because he just didn't get the dart correctly. Um, right. The. <sighs> I guess overall, there the, he he shows potential to be a good quarterback, um, but I'm gonna still hold reservations on calling him a good quarterback or thinking that you know he's not an Adrian Martinez or whatever you know whatever comparison you want to make a, a, to him with with uh, with Martinez. Um, well, I'm I'm just gonna wait and see. Um, I. I'd say that his performance, if I were to give it like a like a zero out of ten, I would say is like a six. You know, it wasn't it wasn't like overly great. It wasn't terrible. Um, it was a tale of two halves. He was, I would say, he was like a you know an eight out of a ten in the first half, and then the second half it was like a five out of a ten. Um, yeah. But I wouldn't say that it was unclutch. I think what he was doing where he was moving the ball. I felt mm -hmm. like we were we were potentially moving down the field in the last two minutes of the game. It it sure seemed like it. And yep. if it wasn't for that tipped Wyatt Lever attempt yep. for receiving the ball, 
we I think we had a potential to go down the field. But then again, I said the same things about Martinez throughout his entire time being here, and it just never came to fruition. So mm -hmm. until I see Casey Thompson clutch a victory for us, then, you know, whatever. We'll see. Yep. Yep. I hear you. I, I can understand that point of view. I just think at this point, I like his potential to lead us to one of those come from behind victories more so than I did with Martinez. We saw four years of that and it never happened. The only time Martinez was clutch at the end of a game was uh, 2018 Iowa. He let us down the field. Uh, we scored a touchdown and he throws the two point conversion to tie it up. And then after that, never happened again, never got close again. So yep. at least it looked like that drive had potential to move. And I liked, I liked the effort Trey Palmer gave in getting that first down right before the INT where he caught the ball and got hit by a couple dudes and broke tackles and got out and got a first down. Um, yeah, you know, that we were was pretty impressive. I forgot we about that. Playing so deep in our own territory on almost every drive after the first drive of the game. It was unbelievable. Um, so I thought he was good. You give me a 355 yards from our quarterback against the Northwestern defense, I'll take that all day, every day, and think that he threw tw three touchdowns, but he didn't. So um, do we really want to talk about the <laughs> talk about the missing man formation, if you will, most notably the uh, wide back that was not playing a down in that game? Uh, honestly, not particularly. I just hope that yeah. we can see uh, Ramir Johnson later on in the season, yep. whether it's next week or geared up for OU. That's what I would hope to see. Um, same thing with Gabe Irvin. Um, yeah, me too. You know, I, I mean, I would just like to see our, our running backs do anything um, at this point. <laughs> um, yeah. I'd like to see some holes open for crying out loud. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. But yeah, no, <laughs> well, we'll just, we'll just lay, we'll just lay that to rest until more information uh, comes out about that. If yeah, any. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that cracked me up when you put that in there, though. I have to admit, that made me that made me <laughs> chuckle. That made me chuckle. Well, let's turn our attention. Since we're done, we flush the toilet now. All the crap is gone from the Northwestern game. And conceivably, come September 3rd, Nebraska should be able to kind of right the ship a little bit against an FCS opponent. Dear God, please tell me we're going to right the ship against an FCS opponent who went five and six last year and only averaged 146 yards on the ground and 240 through the air. They had 27 red zone t red zone touchdowns out of 49 attempts. That sounds pretty familiar. Um, 41.5% conversion rate on third down, a 52% conversion rate on fourth down, which quite frankly, isn't bad, right? Um, that's my dog. Yeah, it's my poor doggy. Um, they did give up 26 sacks for a total of 148 yards lost. That's just over two a game. Uh, so there's maybe a potential there for the edge guys to get a little confidence. Uh, they did lose to Ohio Utah State, which was their one FBS opponent, by a score of 48 to 24. The game was, <laughs> God, please help this not be the case for us. The game was four hours and 14 minutes long. So both teams obviously threw the ball a lot that day. <laughs> it was a grand total of 65 yards rushing by North Dakota and 
374 passing. They only gave up one sack, though, for eight yards in the game, but the defense did give up 217 on the ground and 404 through the air. So I look for Casey and hopefully Anthony Grant to kind of get himself going in this game the next year. Next week should be a depth builder, and uh, or it could be a 14-10 to 10 crap show loss. I honestly don't know what to expect. Looking at those numbers... Where do you assess uh, Nebraska fitting into what they need to do in this game? Boy, that was a weird way to put that. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I got. It. <laughs> I pick, I was picking up what you were setting down. Um, well, I think I think we're gonna find a way to win this one, um, which is really sad to say it in such a weird light. We're gonna find a way to win against North Dakota. I and I mean that. <laughs> I and know. I mean that. I I honestly think that based on what I saw against Northwestern, let's just assume. Let's just assume here that Northwestern, you know how you, you, you kind of brought forth the the one or one or two things that are true. It's either Northwestern is really, really good and Nebraska has a lot of things to work on or Nebraska is mm-hmm. really, really bad and so is Northwestern and that's going to be a, a really bad posture to carry over for the rest of the season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to be pessimistic and I'm going to say that we were both actually really bad and that we barely squeaked by an equally bad team and that we're going to be getting – we just got off the plane – our guys are going to be jet lagged. We're going to do the same thing over again where we have few days to prep for this. And mm-hmm. I don't know what the morality of our team is at the moment, but I don't foresee them being ignorantly optimistic about this game. Um, and I think that uh, North Dakota is going to think the same thing. Uh, and I think that their coach is going to get their guys coached up really really well for this game and i think that they're going to go into lincoln thinking they're going to win um sure and so i think it's going to be a close game and i think it's going to i think it's going to turn up the temperature on scott frost's hot seat and i think that nebraska barely and i'm going to say barely in context of us playing north dakota barely Mm -hmm. wins a game against north dakota and it's going to be Something like a thirty-eight to thirty victory, Nebraska. Thirty-eight um, to thirty. Okay, so you're yeah. looking at a lot of points then. Yes, on either I side. think that. I, yes, I think that Nebraska is going to have to do something on offense because somehow, some way, North Dakota is going to find a way to exploit our lack of black shirt defense. Um, yeah, okay. you know, I. That's just what I see. I see it being kind of like a uh, what what team was it? Twenty nineteen, we played uh, South Alabama, was it? Um, yeah, and except and going for a couple that, of de- or a defensive touchdown, two of them, and a return by JD Spielman for a touchdown on special teams. We didn't do crap. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that was that. a team that you could look at and be like, "This should be an easy win." Yeah, you know. Yeah. They have a few good things, you know. They're kind of like a Troy, you know. Right. They've they've got talent on their team that could be used. North Dakota doesn't necessarily have that, but I mean, you look at the okay. context of this. Any coach worth their salt is going to look at the way that we performed and the 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 coach in question 
the team in question, the defense in question. There's a lot of question marks on Nebraska yeah. right now. And if I'm a coach for even the shittiest team you could imagine, I'm looking at that as an opportunity to to get a really, really yep. crazy victory. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I, I uh, go big red, but goodness gracious, I feel like this one's going to be painful <laughs> to watch. Yeah. So you're kind of in that John Johnston from coordination mode, right? Where he says at the end of some of his videos, like last year after Minnesota, F everything, there is no hope and go big red. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, you I know, like it. <laughs> I'm, you know what? I know this is not going to even come close to matching my prediction that I made for this game when we talked with Dustin Shooty. Cause I think I had us at 24, 14 or 24, 21 or something crazy like that, that they would give us a game. Um, I'm going to go the positive route and change that prediction. I, it certainly doesn't match what I thought weeks ago, but I think that I think we've seen what this Whipple offense can do as far as starting fast. And I think they start fast again. They score on their first drive, and they don't quit. They just have no problem putting points up. And by the midway through the third quarter, you've got Purdy and Smothers in the game, and Nebraska pulls away at the end and wins uh, comfortably, forty-two to seventeen. And the only reason it's forty-two to seventeen is because they probably put up seventeen points in the second half on our second, third team defense. Uh, so that's kind of how I see it going. I see Nebraska kind of get right. Maybe gain a little confidence going into uh, Georgia Southern the next week. So, by God, that was easy. <laughs> that was easy. Plus, minus. Uh, yeah, the results were not good for all three of us. We all picked the plus on two TD passes by the Huskers offense. I only had one. That first drive was the only touchdown pass of the game. Otherwise, you had a run on a read option by... Casey Thompson for the second touchdown, then two runs by Anthony Grant. So, well, all three of us got zero points on the plus-minus. So, for this game, with North Dakota giving up an average of two sacks a game, I set the plus-minus at two sacks for the black shirts this week. What do you think, plus or minus on that? Um. Well, I want to say zero. Um <laughs> I so you're definitely going minus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Until I see the black shirts actually earn their black shirts, I want to say zero. Um, okay. That's that's just kind of where I'm at. But I see that you already have a pick. Um, I can't remember we how can our pick plus the same minus thing. goes. We can pick okay. the same. We can pick the same one. So you can pick minus. I can pick minus, and okay. uh, we don't have to give a number. Just say minus or plus, and call it a day. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going minus. I'm going minus on that. Yep, that's where I'm at. Minus, probably one at best. I don't think it'll be zero. I think somebody will bust through and give one, get one. Might not even be one of the edge guys. It might be. Uh, it might be somebody like a linebacker or something early in the game. I don't know. I don't Sounds know. About right. Um. Anyway, that pretty much wraps up. Hey, my camera went away again. Imagine that. I should know to look up about every thirty minutes. Yeah, that's crazy. Sure. We got to figure that. You got to figure do that. that out. <laughs> it shuts off the screen about every thirty minutes, and I thought I got the setting fixed, folks, but apparently I didn't. But then again, looking at a black screen is probably way better than looking at this. 
Um, <laughs> Team Jack. As we wrap things up, we are going to be involved in the Team Jack uh, 10th Annual Radiothon. I have no idea what that means yet. But Team Jack does some great work for pediatric brain cancer. Make sure you go to teamjackfoundation.org for more information on how you can help out. Because uh, brain cancer is one of those things that affects, it's one of the leading killers of children. Um, and it also, the treatment for it also causes them long lasting effects that hurt them throughout the rest of their lives. So mm-hmm. please do what you can to help out. Uh, go to teamjackfoundation.org for more information. To follow us, you can find all of our social media info on genredpod.com. That's G-E-N-R-E-D-P-O-D.com. It's our website. You can find our Facebook Twitter and YouTube links there to follow those three social media outlets. You can also message us at genredpod at gmail.com for any comments, suggestions, or questions for the show. And uh, there's one more I'm missing, Scott, and I can't remember what it is. Ah, no, no, it yeah. isn't. Oh, Generation Red on your favorite podcast app to be able to download the audio version of the show. Hey, it's how the show started. I should remember that. Anyway, we thank you guys so much for watching. Uh, you're the best. Uh, we've been really seeing some traction on our YouTube channel, seeing some traction with our downloads. Scott, they're moving up slowly but surely. Here's hoping some W's will help those move up even more. And until next time, he's Scott. I'm Ken. Together, we're Generation Red. And we're here to remind you every single week of what you already know. But just in case you happen to forget one time, Iowa's corn sucks. And there is no place like Nebraska. Go Big Red. Absolutely. Beat the fighting, what the hell are they? The fighting hawks. That's it. The fighting hawks of North Dakota. Please. For God's sakes, beat them. That would be awesome. The love of all that is good. (laughs) 